Chapter Three of Doxy Dent by John Ackworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Capitulation of Jabe. On the night of Doxy's arrival in Beckside, Jabe held out more fiercely than ever on his favourite topic. His niece's coming provided him with an excellent opportunity, and he made the most of it. Women, he cried indignantly, they're born contrary. Whatever you tell them to do, they go and do collywest. This, of course, had reference to Judy's obstinate persistence in receiving the girl, in spite of his repeated protests. Aye, it's a bit awkward for thee, said Sam, in affected sympathy. Me? Who'll I now to do wi' me? Who'll tak cur o' that? Who'll show her? And he threw back his head in indignant defiance of Doxy in particular, and all other women in general. "'Who's noise sort of ears we are too?' said Lige, after a slight pause. "'Wears? Oh, give her wears. Who'll come none of a conny fogelin dodges wi' me? Oh, tell thee. Your soft heads has all been collogged with women's ways, but I'll show ye. Poor Jabe. He kept up this show of defiance all night, and even condescended to mimic the newcomer's manner for the entertainment of his associates. And if this boisterous language was meant to cover a masterly retreat, it was neither too soon nor too violent, for in a short time he found himself in a parlous condition indeed. For the next two days he saw little of his niece, but on the third morning, when he went into the shop after breakfast, he found her perched on a stool, and telling the apprentices a story which, with the novel attractiveness of the teller, was so absorbing that they did not notice the entrance of their dread master, and had to be roused out of their enchantment by the sudden blast of his wrath. Jabe had two apprentices at this period, for Isaac was nearly out of his time, and his successor had just been installed. But from that hour they led him a weary life. It was easy for him to assume his old ascendancy when they were alone, but the moment Doxy appeared, they had eyes and ears for nothing else and government, except in so far as it is represented by abusive language, may be said to have ceased to exist in the clog shop. Then Doxy took to talking to Sam Speck and telling him secrets, and Sam was henceforth to be found at the shop at any and every hour when there was the least chance of the London wench being around. One day, about a week after her arrival, Doxy came to the cloggery as usual and announced to her uncle, that she was going to stay to tea with him. And though this was the first time she had really made any overture of a particular kind to him, and the moment, therefore, when he could put his foot down once and for all, the clogger simply muttered a sort of surly grunt to himself, heaved a little sigh, and tamely went on with his work. Presently Doxy adjourned to the parlour to prepare the coming meal, and Jabe could hear her rattling the pots and singing as though in triumph over her first victory. Then she called him to tea, and before he could sit down, she delivered him a little lecture upon the way in which, as she could see from the teapot, his tea had been usually brewed, and carefully instructed him in the latest London style of doing it. And Jabe listened, and pretended to do so, meekly replying, Aye, just as he was drawing his chair up to the table, the girl stopped him, and with a prettily affected sternness, 
demanded to know whether Beckside gentlemen usually took tea in their shirt-sleeves and without washing, and Jabe, the valiant, unconquerable Jabe, champion of freedom and defender of North Country ways, muttered something about forgetting, and limped humbly off into the scullery to wash, calling at the parlour door on his way back to put on his coat. Throughout the meal, Doxy rattled and talked to her taciturn uncle in the gayest manner, and he, furtively watching her every movement from under his thick eyebrows, made no response except an occasional inexplicable grunt. He was not giving in, he told himself. No, he was not to be bamboozled. But all the same, the tea lasted twice as long as when he was alone, and even when it was over, he lingered to light his pipe, dripping into a chair for a moment to hear her finish a characteristically graphic description of going out to tea in London with her mother. Doxy was certainly very unlike an ordinary Lancashire girl. Her features were fairly regular, and her complexion almost colourless, and there was nothing remarkable about her face when it was at rest. But it rarely was at rest. When she spoke, every word was accompanied by corresponding changes of expression, which, though slight in themselves, gave charm and piquancy to her face, even when she was only listening to you. The quick-changing light in her great grey eyes, the rising and lowering of her finely pencilled eyebrows, and the constant play of varied expression around her large but mobile mouth, were so attractive that as you watched her you were in danger of forgetting what you were saying. When she became animated, as she did upon the slightest occasion, her feelings expressed themselves through every limb, and, as all her motions had a strange, subtle grace, she was then an enchanting thing to look at. Doxy's hair was of a dull, commonplace brown, but so abundant that no ordinary chenille net, such as was worn by girls at that time, would hold it, and it hung in thick clusters down her back. Tall for her age, her many flounced dress skirt was, according to Beckside fashion, disgracefully short, and her long striped stockings, though in the height of fashion in London at that period, shocked the susceptibilities of Aunt Judy and her lady friends. The night of the tea, Jabe held forth at the clog-shop fire on the weak-mindedness of parents towards their children, especially those who had only one child. From that he passed on to the frivolous vanity of townsfolk in the matter of dress. Then he came by easy process to the wiles and weaknesses of women, finishing with a terrible tirade against Aunt Judy for introducing into Beckside such a fearful example of pride and peertness as this newly arrived niece. But Sam Speck took particular note that except for the last sentence, Jabe did not directly denounce the newcomer. Thenceforward, Doxy came more and more to the clog shop, until by the end of another week she had established herself there altogether, except that she went home early in the evening and always slept at her aunt's. And now Jabe's troubles began in earnest. Early and late, the shop was the scene of most disgraceful carryings-on. Sam Speck came to the Inglenook every morning as soon as Doxy arrived, and could not be driven away, whilst the quiet of the place was broken every few minutes by his irritating laughter at some word or deed from the wench. The most provoking part was that, whenever he was recovering from one of the outbursts, 
he was sure to turn round and glance most significantly at the clogger to see how he was taking it as to the apprentices jabe was simply at his wit's end if doxy was near them they could not be kept at work in the daytime and it was equally difficult to get them away when knocking off time came at night at her slightest wish they would jump up from their seats getting into each other's way in their haste to serve her and neither their master's strong language nor his even more terrible glare had any effect jabe hated cats almost more than he hated women but one day doxy appeared at the clog shop with two kittens in her arms which she had begged from a boy who was going to drown them a burst of wrath escaped the clogger as he saw what was being brought to him but when she came round the corner and opened her arms to show him her treasures asking him whether they were not dear little things jabe glanced helplessly at the pussies gave a dismal groan and turned away to resume his work the sputtering smothered laugh which came at that moment from the ingle nook where sam and lige were smoking was unbearably tantalising but if those two unsympathetic merrymakers had seen the poor clogger standing helplessly upon his bedroom floor in the dead of night with one loudly mewing little wretch in his hand and the other clinging nervously to his shirt-tail and lifting up its voice on high they would have had cause for jubilation a day or two later as jabe was just finishing for the third time a rasping assurance to the new apprentice near mak a clugger wall thou wick a sudden sharp cry followed by a loud bang and a boom was heard coming from the parlour and the old man jumped to his feet crying lord a massy what's that then he limped hastily across the shop floor and burst into the parlour to behold doxy rising hastily to her feet with a great bump on her forehead whilst jabe's cherished and incomparable bass viol lay in pieces at her feet ow oh, uncle i'm sorry i am sorry but jabe gave the fiddle a hasty kick with his foot and seizing the trembling girl by the arm he dragged her to the window more wench more wench he cried in great distress and then as doxy suddenly turned pale and was about to fall he caught her tenderly in his arms and cried with face all a-work to his apprentices fetch judy fetch the doctor who's deein oh who's deein but doxy recovered herself and stopped the frightened lads declaring she was all right and then she tried to laugh and got away from her uncle and dropping into a chair drew a long breath ow uncle how bad of me you cannot forgive me now can you i shall never never forgive myself for answer jabe got up and giving another vicious kick at the fiddle went off into the pantry to fetch some goose grease for the girl's bruised forehead putting a little of it on the end of a not too clean finger and placing one arm round her neck with infinite gentleness he anointed the throbbing wound ow oh, that is nice she gasped and then throwing her soft arms round the clogger's neck and pressing her face against his she burst into a long relieffull sob jay bore this cuddling with remarkable fortitude and to judge by his looks would have endured more but presently his niece let him go and once more began to express her contrition but he noisily broke in upon her confessions 
picked up the broken vial, tossed it upon the long settle, and then commenced to lecture her. He began cautiously enough, for this was, confessedly, a type of character with which he was not familiar. Soon, however, he discovered that his niece, so far from being unduly alarmed, was rather enjoying his tirade, and now, sure of his ground, he launched out in his own inimitable style. The recklessness of young people in the presence of danger, the fearful consequences that might have ensued from the accident, the risk of permanent disfigurement she had run, the wisdom of taking heed to her elders, were all descanted upon with due length and seriousness, the whole discourse being finished off with a few pungent sentences on the folly and wilfulness of all women, especially of young ones. Doxy listened to the deliverance with ever-increasing delight. She had not before heard her uncle read off, as Sam would have said. Her eyes, out of which the tears of penitence had scarcely departed, shone with eager fun. Her nods followed the clogger's points, as though she were supplying the emphasis, and when at last he concluded, she burst out into a long, delighted laugh. From that moment, Jabe was unmuzzled. Hitherto, some ideas of old-fashioned hospitality had restrained him, but the accident of the base vial, at least, had this good about it, that it assured him he was free to talk as he pleased, so far as his niece was concerned. His views about her sex greatly amused Doxy, and when she discovered that he had opposed her coming, and regarded her presence as a trial from which he hoped speedily to be delivered, she laughed more than ever. And whenever she was in danger of getting dull, though to give the girl her due that was not often, she would go into the shop, and sitting cross-legged on a stool by the side of Sam or Lige, would make a remark, which she knew beforehand would set her uncle off, and then sit and hug herself, laughing with keenest delight. In a few days, Doxy was the most popular person in Beckside. Her striking appearance and dress, her high spirits and frank open manners, her remarkable gift of mimicry, and a certain indefinable daintiness of person, made her exceedingly attractive to the simple villagers. And every day, Jabe was treated to numerous compliments about your Annie's wench. To all these, the clogger replied with loud scoffs and ironical sneers. "'Ye ain't to live wi' folk to know em, he would cry, and then with a significant sniff he would add, "'And then, ye dunna know em, if they're women.' Now and again Doxy would overhear these choice sentiments, but she only laughed the more merrily, and prophesied that her uncle would end by marrying a widow. "'Mother says such people always do.' One morning, however, she came to the shop with a cloud on her face. "'Ow, oh, uncle!' "'Isn't it a shame?' she cried as soon as she caught sight of him. "'What's up now?' he growled in his surliest tones. "'I've to go home the day after tomorrow. Isn't it dreadful?' "'Thank the Lord for that,' burst out Jabe. "'We's to have peace and quietness once more.' This brought the light back into Doxy's eyes, and as the fun gleamed through a little tear, she said coaxingly, but ain't you sorry a little bit, uncle? Just a little now. Sorry? Oh, I'm that. As sorry as a feller as gets out of bedlam. But you'll miss me when I'm gone, won't you, uncle? Miss you? Oh, shall that? 
like billy twitters said to th bums when he paid em out this kind of raillery went on the whole day and at night jabe with an exaggerated air of joyousness boasted over the shop fire of his coming deliverance and though thereby he was confessing to having suffered more than he would have previously admitted yet regardless of consistency and everything else he did his best to convince his friends that he was unfeignedly glad of his approaching escape from petticoat persecution his recent experience seemed to have aggravated unnecessarily his dislike for the opposite sex and before the evening was over he had out-heroded herod in his denunciations of their ways next morning when doxy came as usual he was worse than ever only one more day oh what a blessing doxy seemed inclined to cry and could not manage even a smile jabe seemed encouraged by these signs and surpassed himself in highly coloured descriptions of the peace and comfort he was so eagerly anticipating but had his niece been less preoccupied with her own regrets she might have noticed how keenly he was watching her from under his shaggy brows doxy spent the greater part of the day in making farewell calls but just before tea-time she came back to her uncle's looking sad and tired and quietly commenced to make the tea jabe drew up to the table with a sly leer on his face and in a moment or two gave vent to a dry chuckle oh you nasty wicked hard-hearted man you when i do go i'll never never come back so there but in spite of herself there was a gleam of fun behind her sorrowful looks and the clogger chuckled again ain't you a bit sorry uncle ain't you a little bit sorry uncle just a little bit and the clogger gave his head a series of very emphatic shakes and cried not me not me what did you make me love you for then and doxy's mouth began to droop at the corners jabe gave another loud rough laugh but if his niece had been more observant she might have noted that it was a mirthless exercise for a moment there was a pause doxy looked steadily amusingly at her uncle and then as the tears came in spite of her she dropped her head upon her arms and said as she began to cry quietly i didn't know you liked the fiddle so much uncle jabe was surprised a gleam as of sudden enlightenment shot into his eyes fiddle he cried with the utmost contempt what's the fiddle getting to do with it i'm sure it's the fiddle sobbed doxy confound the fiddle and jabe looked really angry for a moment but just then aunt judy came in and seeing her favourite in tears and being at that moment wrought up to a high point of emotion at the prospect of parting with the girl who had so entwined herself around her heart she drew herself up fixed a stern eye upon her brother and for full five minutes poured out a long accumulated flood of indignant reproach upon him jabe listened to his sister's tirade with a face of exasperating blandness mon she cried that nout that's what that that nout jabe threw his expressive leg over the other and laughed hurt there's no hurt thou never had thou were born bad it's my belief again the clogger laughed thou's lived be thysel and thou'll dee be thysel 
and not a sowlith wold'll cur for thee yes they will ankle i will i will and doxy flinging her arms around him chair back and all dropped her pretty head on his bosom and sobbed as though her heart would break jabe sat imprisoned in his chair and looking like a man undergoing a painful operation whilst his little red eyes shone with a strange moisture yet never a word did he speak judy looked down upon the pair with wondering perplexity presently she drew doxy away and bade her prepare to pack her box for going left to himself the clogger seemed unusually restless he tried to smoke but the pipe went out as often as he lighted it then he stood up and took a long meditative look out of the window and finally feeling more and more uncomfortable he sauntered into the shop yet when his friends assembled they found him moody and unsociable and when sam by way of feeler expressed regret at the approaching departure of doxy the clogger exploded into one of his most violent outbursts and altogether made himself so disagreeable that his companions were fain to let him alone in silence but this displeased him more than ever and turning his attention to the hapless apprentices he gave them a most uncomfortable time of it next morning jabe was astir earlier than usual and seemed more irritable even than on the previous evening judy was so busy getting her niece ready for departure that she could not come to the shop and so he was left to prepare his breakfast for himself twice he went into the parlour to do so but on each occasion he fell into a brown study and finally wandered back into the shop presently word came from the cottage that the box was ready and somebody must go to fetch it sam and isaac started at once and in a few minutes came back with the package a little later aunt judy and doxy both seeming very miserable arrived to wait for the coach and jabe carefully avoiding his niece's eye sat down to his work trying to look as though nothing unusual was happening then the coach was heard coming up the brow and doxy turned and gazed distressfully at her uncle but he would not see her the conveyance stopped opposite the shop and sam and isaac came forward to carry out the box it's a goer with that box it was jabe who was speaking he had risen to his feet and stood glaring at sam as though he had caught him in the act of stealing it i'm tacking it to the coach for sure clap it down but the coach is here clap it down i tell thee but the wench canna go about her box the wench is no going no going now north box norther now then are they going to be there all day shouted billy from the coach box ay no need to bawled jabe in reply jabez art maddled let th wench go cried judy in sore amazement judy replied the clogger turning to his sister and speaking in slow deliberate tones that wench is weir who's stopping who come to please thee and who'll stop to please me then as doxy flung her arms about his neck the rugged old clogger drew her gently to his side and looking round defiantly at the astonished company he cried with a quaver in his voice oh fun one bit o gradely womanhood i th wold 
and i'm going to stick to it bless her end of chapter three